Hey everybody, Vince here from the Metal Sucks Quarantine Cast. We are still at home. Our favorite musicians are still at home in this hellfire year where everything seems to be going wrong. Uh, but the good news is that we get to talk to musicians. We get to talk to everybody because no one's doing anything. But that's not been the case for Mastodon. Uh, we have Bill Kelleher, the guitarist, on the phone with us today. And uh, Bill, it seems that you have been anything but dormant during this time. You, you guys have been very, very busy. Yeah, well, hi. First of all, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, you know, I thought when the quarantine started, I was like welcoming it because me as a as an individual, I'm uh, I'm pretty pretty busy. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's uh, to say the least. I mean, I'm I'm super super freaking busy constantly. Um, when I go on the road and tour, I feel like that's when I have time to actually catch up on life. Um, when I go out on tour, I can wake up early, go for a run, make myself a good breakfast, just kind of, you know, enjoy the day for a while. Um, I usually do guitar lessons at noon every day on tour, make a little extra money, which is great. Um, you know, I can call home and check in and, and I'm, I usually feel a lot more at peace. Like I'm, I'm just, I just feel like I have a lot more time because, you know, the gig is not until it's only about an hour and a half of your time later on that night, you know, and, and since I've stopped drinking and partying, you know, I felt like going on the road was kind of, you know, just my sanctuary. I, I feel you, man. So I mean, I, it's easy, so easy to get bogged down with stuff at home. I mean, obviously we love our families, but you know, they, they require attention, <laughs> uh, you know, on top of just yeah. house stuff and, you know, all the minutiae and whatever. So I totally understand. Well, uh, and when, so when the quarantine started, I was like, oh, well, cool. This, this is great. I, you know, we, uh, we had already taken off. Let's see. Our, our last tour was Coheed and Cambria last summer. So, you know, now it's two summers ago. So it was over, over a year ago. Our last real tour, which was great. was awesome. So much fun. Um, we had our actual last show, I think was in October last year in Wisconsin. We did a couple uh, festivals up there. And then we were, we were, our touring cycle was done because our record cycle was finished and we were like, okay, cool. Now we can go home, relax for the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatnot, start the new year fresh. We'll get back together as a band and start writing and then hopefully record a record and be finished by the end of the year. And then, you know, so quarantine happened and I, I was like, well, this, we're already taking the time off and I didn't realize how long quarantine would last. Um, you know, so I started, I just started working around the house like I normally do. Like when I'm home from, when I'm not touring, I get up early, I get my kids ready for school, make them breakfast, lunch, drive them to school, uh, come back home. And I have a laundry list of honeydew list, you know, a mile long every day. And then trying to practice in between that. And, you know, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 next year at the beginning of the year. And it's like, God, why do we work so fucking hard constantly working, 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 doing all this stuff. And I think quarantine has kind of shown some of us. It's like, 
yeah, why do we work our, we work as Americans, you know, I, I can, I can speak for our, my, ourselves, myself, you know, it's like as Americans, we seem to like chase this dream, the American dream of like owning a car and owning a house and some property and work, 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 work until you just drop dead. <laughs> and I just, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I feel like when, when's the time my kids are already like 16 and 14 and I'm like, man, where did the time go? I, I missed them growing up because I was on tour so much. And when I'd come home, I was, I was just wasn't, you know, mentally ready to be a dad, I guess, half the time. And when I just would start to fall into the routine of being a, a parent and, and all that, it would be time to go back on tour again. So it was yeah. kind of difficult, you know, I'm, I'm looking, reflecting back now on it. So back to like, you know, not going on tour again and staying home. I, I just find like, I'm still so damn busy. I don't, I don't know why I'm like, I don't really have anything to do, but there's so many things I've neglected over the years to do either work on my house, um, helping the kids with, you know, getting them ready for school or whatnot, cleaning the house, which is a constant, that's just an everyday thing, like top to bottom. Like, well, I, I say that, but it's, really the kitchen and it's just everything you know it's just a mess every day we, i've got two teenagers and they just destroy the house and i'm like my wife's an epidemiologist and she's working on covid she's uh yeah. and she's working from home you know she's works at centers for disease control here in atlanta so she's she's in her office on the phone constantly like talking to a heading meetings and, and whatnot and, and trying to get you know move forward with covid and uh she's busy as hell she works about eight o'clock at night every single day and she's up at seven o'clock in the morning so i'm basically mr mom and i'm kind of you know i think if i didn't have the band i did if i didn't start the band when i did i try you know i don't even know how i would have time to even play my guitar in this world that i live in now because i have to carve out time like hey i'm gonna go play my guitar now for like 15 20 minutes and i'm gonna go do this and now that we're starting to pick back up again with um you know recording hopefully next month a new record and all the stuff in between like the the videos we've been doing and, and all that stuff it's like yeah thank god that stuff's happening because otherwise you know i can see how you know, you'd, I would just sit on my ass and like, I don't, I don't have time to not sit on my ass, but I'll be so busy that I wouldn't have time to be in a band or write songs or play guitar. It's like, I'm an adult and I've got kids and I've got so many responsibilities and this pandemic is really showing it. It's just like, man, where do I start? Yeah, that's interesting though. I mean, like, do you feel like, you know, is there, having been in this lockdown in this situation that's forced you to be more of a family oriented person is there a part of you that, you know, wishes, you know, maybe maybe you want to dial it back a bit in the future as far as the band is concerned and, and devote more time to your family? Or has it been, uh, has it got to the point where all the tedium of being at home has kind of worn down on you and you're ready to devote more time to the band? <laughs> well, let's just say I'm really itching to go out and play live concerts and get on the road you know what i mean like that fair enough that goes without saying that but that doesn't mean uh contrary to you it's 
stop. So, no, it's, um, you know, in the, in the past, like, you know, five, six years, the band, probably even longer than that, but, you know, we did, not that we slowed down, but we didn't just take every single show that was offered. We were able to afford the luxury of choosing, um, you know, picking which shows we wanted to do and which tours we didn't want to do. And, you know, if something happened, like, you know, say Troy was like, hey, my uh, my son's birthday is coming up, like, on this date, he would always tell us, like, way in the way in advance, like, I, I can't do those, that tour, because it's, that's my son's birthday, and I'm, I've got something planned, you know, so back in, you know, when we first started, none of that stuff mattered, because we were just, like, itching to get out, and, and we had to, you know, clawing our way up the ladder, so to speak. So we're just like, you know, now we're just kind of like, well, I've got plans then, and I've, I've got this going on. This is much more important than playing a show in, in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm sorry, but, you know, yeah. my, my kid's 16th birthday or, or whatever. So we were, we're able, we're at the stage in our, in our career as a band is where we could kind of choose, pick and choose what, what's more important but um i mean it's it is nice to be home and to be here constantly but i don't have a job you know like my my job is just like mr dad you know yeah <laughs> well i mean i think a lot of people probably look at mastodon as you know a a mega monolithic band hugely successful which you know certainly is the case but i think most fans don't realize the economic realities of being in a, a metal band, you know, and uh, certainly I, don't think, I agree. I don't think they do, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds like your wife is employed and, and has a good job. That's great. So, you know, it's not uh, at least you're not relying on being out on the road for all of your income, but obviously you want to work and you need that income. And, you know, I think it's kind of like a bit of a, a mind fuck for fans to learn that, a band at Mastodon's level still needs to do that. You know, like, I mean, that's something that we've talked a lot about on this show in particular is like, what, what are bands going to do this year? You know, if you can't go out and tour, it's just, uh, it brings a, a huge amount of economic instability into the picture. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, if it weren't for my wife and her stable job for the past 20 years, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know how well off I'd be, you know, it's, we've been lucky and we've been smart, you know, we didn't waste money. We put money into, uh, you know, buying houses in our neighborhood and being landlords, you know, and, but still that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother job. That's, that's half the things I do in the daytime is mowing people's lawns that are my tenants and, uh, fixing leaky roofs and, and trying to get to the bottom of, you know, strange smell coming out of the toilet or whatever. It's like, <laughs> that's reality. I've always done that though. It's not like a new thing. I've always been like, well, this is kind of what people do. You know, you got to have investments. You ha I've learned from people that are older than me and I always listen to them, especially when it comes to advice dealing with, with money and uh, what, you know, what do you do? Cause math is not, I'm not gonna be able to do that for the rest of my life. And I knew that at, a, at an early age, it's like, this is going to run out at one point where something's going to happen. You know, hopefully, hopefully we can do it as long as we can. But um, I mean, I haven't worked in over a year. It's like, uh, there's no money coming in. There's not, 
there's not like big royalty checks that just come in every month. And that's, that's the truth because people don't, they don't buy the music. I mean, there's a little bit of residuals from like publishing and stuff, but it's peanuts. It's nothing. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's definitely, you know, it's a quarterly, quarterly paid out like, you know, a couple thousand dollars, like if we're lucky. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, that's, all taxable money and it's got to, you know, just like everybody else. And, um, you know, just to just say to yourself, imagine if you couldn't work for over a year and I mean, I'm on unemployment because I own a few businesses. The Mastodon is a business and we have employees and we are all out of work and we had the option to apply for unemployment, which you know, we pay into it. Might as well use it if it's there, because if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have any income at all because we're not selling records. We're not touring. That's where all our income comes from is getting up every day and going up on stage and playing for an hour and doing it over and over and over all over the world. And we can't do that right now. And I don't know if we ever will be able to do that again. I mean, I, in some capacity, but I feel like even, even if they can get everybody get everybody shit together as far as promoters and booking agents and uh, venues and all that stuff, it's, it's going to be like two years. And when they do, everybody's going to be, if they're even still open, like how are the clubs going to stay? How are those people going to pay their rent on, uh, you know, a, a club that they own on 25% capacity? Going? Yeah, it's crazy. Or if there no one's going there for a year, for two years. I mean, they, these sure. these places live like paycheck to paycheck. I know they do. I mean, they they they're not just owned outright by the by, by the promoter or whatever. They're it's a whole network of you know. It's a razor thin business. And yeah, and they're they're all relying on it. It, it is. Yeah. And it's by the by the time the COVID is under control, hopefully, fingers crossed. The promoters that used to, you know, promoters have to, they have to pay all these bands in advance and they're not going to have that money to pay, pay bands in advance. I mean, at least 50%, that's what we asked for so that we can guarantee that we're going to show up and then that guarantees that we're going to play and then they, they pay us the rest, the other 50%, whatever. <laughs> but I, I can already see it where these guys, even like, especially the small time promoters who rely on, you know, it's like Robin Paul to pay Mary or, or, or Peter, <laughs> not Mary, Peter Paul and Mary. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, that's how it is every day. It's, uh, you get one band in and you're waiting to pay them until the next band comes in and, and makes your money. So it's, that's going to fuck everything up. And you're going to see a lot of these cool venues and places just going under. I mean, the big, the big places like Live Nation and stuff. Even they're hurting. If they're hurting, then the little guy's got to be, like, completely dying. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, for, well, first I want to say that I'm very thrilled to learn my tax dollars are going to uh, Mastodon unemployment. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm really thrilled with that because I'm usually not happy where my tax dollars go. Uh, but, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, we're already seeing it. These venues are closing. Um, and there has been some chatter about the only people left standing are going to be the live nations in the room, which, uh, is not necessarily a good thing. 
And I can just see that when it comes around time for us to do another tour, Live Nation will be have been hurting so long, they're going to be like, well, we can't pay you what you're, you normally are worth. Yeah. Because we need to recoup our money. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, where do we start with that? We all need to recoup. We've all been unemployed. You know what I mean? Like, all of us have been hurting. We all have businesses. We all have mouths to feed. Well, what, so what I've been hearing, at, at least for the, the U.S., I, I think it might be different in Europe, but for the U.S., I've been hearing that particularly Live Nation will only be offering door deals when they do reopen and when touring begins, um, which for a band like Mastodon, I mean, how do you even plan for that if you don't know what you're earning? You know, you don't know what crew you can bring, what uh, production you can bring, or, or even if you'll, you'll make money at all. It's, it's very, very scary. We're just going to have to, like, you know, buck up and do it because that's all we know how to do is go out there and, and play fucking rock and roll and and uh you know we, i mean i'm not i'm not worried about when things are okay and it's safe to go back out there because people are gonna be dying to go to shows and buy merch and, and you know do all the things that they took for granted way back when you know last year <laughs> like, uh, people are gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna come you build it they're gonna come they're gonna be there the fans will be there i know that but it's uh i'm just afraid that the bands and the fans are going to get ripped off by these big companies because they're, they're going to say, Oh, well, we're, we're hurting because we haven't worked in two years. So we're going to have to like take more percentage than we have in the past. And we're going to have to charge higher prices for tickets and this, that, and the other. That's just, that's going to be their excuse. I just can see it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know exactly the mechanism that they'll use to, to make it difficult for bands, but one way or the other, it's going to happen for sure. I think bands are going to be asked to shoulder the burden. Uh, like fans, I don't necessarily think so because there's going to be some trepidation about coming back, uh, even with a vaccine and so on and so forth, um, at least at first. But um, it's going to be tough for bands, man. And I feel bad for, especially for the younger bands, you know, bands that are just getting started that have to survive in this climate i mean it's just like i just can't even imagine yeah i mean i've been thinking of what am i gonna do or do i get it do i need to get another get a part-time job or what it sounds like you're making it work with the lessons and uh with the the landlord stuff at least for now um you know is that like a stable thing for now or is it getting to the point where like eh, well the no, I haven't been doing what the lessons was on the road only. Haven't been. Nice. I know some guys are doing Zoom lessons and stuff like that. You know, um, I just haven't gotten that to that point. You know, I'm just I don't know if that's for me. Just don't know if I want to do that. It's, it might be kind of weird and awkward. Yeah. I'm just more of an in person. Uh, doing it at the doing it at the gigs in person you know that's just how i i've gotten used to that i hear I you man. i don't know yet yeah well uh honestly it's like honestly it's like a word, I, I i have been asked by a lot of fans like hey are you gonna do offer lessons and i was like well yeah i've been thinking about it and i've had a lot of companies come to me and say oh we want to we want you to do lessons and we take 50 percent and and then I'm like, man, if they take 50%, then that's, that's a nah, lot of man. money. Do it, do it yourself. You'll kill. You'll do great if you do it yourself. 
obviously there's the the hurdle yeah. of uh you know the over the internet thing but I, I have full confidence you'd be able to do it don't give away your 50 percent <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure i can do it i'm just like okay well, when am i going to make the time to do this because i'm, I'm when, just, when you need you know, to <laughs> when okay. you really need to that's yeah. when Exactly. Um, well, in the meantime, it seems like you things are moving forward with the band. Uh, you know, you've got medium rarities, the the rare B side collection that just came out. Uh, now, was that a project that was born of the pandemic, or was that in the plans beforehand? Well, I know for a fact that the the song "Fallen Torches," which is on the first song on medium rarities we had recorded a year prior and it was supposed to come out. And I, you know, to me it was, it was such a killer song and it kind of got put on the back burner. I was just like, why, why can't we put this song out? And, uh, Oh, because we got to wait this long to do this. We got to do that. And this and the other thing. And I was just like, yeah, okay. I don't really care. We, we, we wrote this great song. Let's get it out there. You know, let's play it. And the powers that be were just like, no, nah, we'll just release it when the time is right. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, let's put the song out. Let's give people something to chew on while we're waiting this thing out. You know what I mean? And uh, I think it just evolved into, oh, well, you know, we've got a lot of this. Uh, we've got a lot of these, like, rare, weird B-sides and... Uh, you know, track, live track and stuff like that that we could do something with. Why don't we just make it into a full album? And, uh, you know, we were like, cool. All right. So it was based, based around the Fallen Torches stuff. But, um, you know, I think it was a cool idea. A lot of bands do like a best of or greatest hits or whatever, which didn't really suit us. So, I, you know, we thought, let's, let's all get our heads together and think of songs that are people might like that are cool that uh, haven't been really offered uh, in a digital format, you know, right off for easy, easy access people. So like Orion, for example, the Metallica cover song we did, that was uh, a thing that was on Kerrang! magazine, uh, Master Puppets Metallica tribute thing. And it, uh, it was never mastered. So it sounded super quiet. So on the, if you didn't get the, get the magazine that came with the CD, everybody else's track sounded nice and awesome and loud. Ours was super quiet. And I was always bummed about that. It's like, man, this really sucks. So being able to like put that back out again, because I'm sure there's, you know, 75% of our fan base never heard that because it was such a weird, rare thing on a weird compilation for a English magazine. So uh, the Spoonful Weighs a Ton um, Flaming Lips cover that we did for the Warner Brothers uh, first thing, you know, it's uh, it was just only on 7-inch. And then there was a commotion, the Feist cover that we did, 7-inch, uh, which a lot of people don't even know what records are these days, you know, like young kids, they're like, okay, well, what's a seven inch, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. Well, single, how they used to put out singles. So now we put them all in one place and, you know, I was, wasn't expecting such a great response, but I've read a lot of, you know, people are really stoked about it, even though some of it's kind of, some of it's, there's instrumental versions of songs that people already have, but people seem to dig it. So 
Well, you know, I think people are very starved for content right now. Not that they would, uh, you know, not appreciate your music anyway, but, you know, I think like bands that do forge ahead and put things out, I think are especially well received because people just need it so much right now, more than ever. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it sounds like uh, you mentioned earlier that you're maybe heading into the studio next month. Is there anything you can tell us about that as far as where and uh, with, with whom and what you're doing? Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, a couple couple years ago now, I think it's probably two years ago, I, you know, I've always wanted to build a studio. I, I've built a few studios. Um, I have a small one in my in my basement, which is basically like a few soundproof rooms with, you know, control room, live room, stuff like that. Very small, but just for me, because I like to diddle with Pro Tools and, uh, you know, just just demoing constantly. So a couple of years ago, I was, you know, offered the, not offered, but uh, had the chance to get, get a partner and actually, who's an engineer, and actually build a proper studio that we could turn into a business. And um, that place is called West End Sound, and that's inside of Ember City, which is our uh, rehearsal facility that we 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 manage, and we have a lot of bands in there that rehearse. Um, so I was able to build that out a couple of years ago and make it into a place, you know, where we could actually record our record. I just felt like, you know. When I bought the re- when I bought the uh, rehearsal facility, I mean it wasn't a re- rehearsal facility until I built it out. But I was like, why am I paying somebody else a thousand bucks a month to rent from them when we could, you know, pool our money together and get our, you know, get a loan from the bank and, and buy a building and turn it into the same thing, and then we're just paying ourselves. So that's what we did. And then I thought the same thing with a recording studio. I'm like, why are we paying $1,000 a day out in Hollywood to rent a recording studio uh, to do a record? And then, you know, you spend, say, you spend half a million dollars on a record, which is, that's that's about right. You know, um, That's basically your money. It's not, it's not like the record company pays for it. They they uh, front you the money to do it. And then you're, it's your job to make the money back by touring, selling records and products, even though they take a certain percentage of that as well. Um, you know, you say you spend $500,000 on a record to, a, you know, 300 to a producer and the other two to hotels and staying, uh, renting out a recording studio and an engineer, whatever, you know, that money now you make a record the record goes right to spotify apple whatever and i have nothing against spotify apple music pandora all that stuff but it's it's a joke because people pay 10 9.99 a month to listen to unlimited amounts of every band every artist and how does that equate to your half a million dollars you just spent on one record like it's very uh it's very unbalanced you know it's lopsided it's upside down really. maybe, maybe you guys need to uh you know go back to the relapse records days and just do do a record super on the cheap 
Maybe that's the move. Fuck no. <laughs> Never going back to relapse records. I didn't mean to like to the label, just like to you know to the methodology of. No. I mean, like it kind of sounds like you you are in a way you're doing it yourself in your own studio. Yeah, well that part, yeah. I mean, yeah. Don't even get me started when we were on relapse records. <laughs> um, yeah, they didn't. Uh, we we paid for our own recording back then too, but we didn't know any better. We just felt like oh, okay, yeah, that was that was uh, bad. But anyway. Um, it did get us to where we are today. So, yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing. You know, I, f- I figured, like, well, if we have our own studio now, we don't have to pay these exorbitant amount of money to uh, record here, a thousand bucks a day. I mean, give me a break. Because you're never going to make, you're never going to see that money again. You're basically just throwing all this money into an ad, which is your record, so that people come to see you play the concert and buy your stuff. But, if there's no concert, you're just making this free ad that's just like costs you half a million dollars where people can just, you know, basically listen to it as much as they want on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, they keep, it just keeps going this way. I mean, bands are just going to disappear because no one can afford to be out there spending that kind of money uh, to make no money. Yeah. Well, uh, so so when are you guys? Uh, to be clear, are you doing? Is this the new record that's going to be recorded entirely or in large part in your studio starting next month? That's the idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we don't have an exact date. We're still waiting. There's a lot of things that are up in the air right now. But that's the idea. It's like we'd like to we'd like to start recording ASAP. Yeah. Well, when yeah. when you when you have your own you studio, it's much easier to schedule the time. You don't have to block exactly. it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a little more last minute with it, which I'm sure is great. Will offer you a lot more flexibility as far as getting this thing done on your own schedule. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, that well, that's all part of that's part of the whole you know big picture. That's Let's great. do it when we want to do it. And let's do it at our own place where we're comfortable and you don't have to travel anywhere to shack up in a hotel for a month or two when we're recording. And it's, you know, just being comfortable is, is the key word, you know. Yeah, you can sleep at home, so, see so your family. Long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, you did say over the summer in an interview that in the material that you had been writing so far that you saw another shift in sound, I believe was the phrase you used in, uh, in the new material. Um, and Mastodon have always been a band that have evolved and changed with every release. Can you elaborate a bit more on, on what that shift in sound is like? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard for me just to pinpoint it because I'm in it, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's always been hard for me, but, but I guess to me, because we're always evolving, like you said, you know, we're, I'm always writing and writing and writing and, you know, a lot of it just kind of goes by the wayside, but the really good stuff makes it to a song and, you know, I'm always tinkering with new toys and I've got this line six helix now that is like my new, my new toy and has so many cool sounds in there and it just, it inspires me to, to write cool riffs and, and different sounding uh, arrangements, you know what I mean? So that's part of it. That's just one part of it. But um, I think like 
the vocals are always getting better. That was always one of our weaker points, you know, as, as a band. And I feel like we're much more prepared because we have a studio. We have access to my student, my, my, my demo studio I have in my house, I'll call it. And I spent, we, we basically spent a lot of time down there just throwing ideas around seeing what sticks and then once we've got some sort of semblance of a of a song then we take it to the other studio and and really you know put it down with really good sounding drums and and uh equipment over there and just kind of fine-tune it and i feel like every record that we do we seem to be a little bit more and more prepared every record and this one is no exception this one we're like wow we're way ahead of where we were for emperor of sand you know, we had like whatever seven or eight songs. One, two songs came together in the studio. Uh, we didn't have this many lyrics written. We didn't have all the parts laid out. And now we've got close to twenty song ideas that are pretty strong and pretty much finished. You know, they're they're almost you know they're they're almost what they're going to be. And uh, I just feel like. When I listen, I'm like, man, we've never done this before. And this is a cool sounding uh, idea, whatever. I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh, this, this, is a, this is a country western song, or this is, you know, it's just like there's just different elements of stuff in there we throw in that still is Mastodon, but just in like a new way. It's it's always gonna people are gonna listen to it and go like, this sounds like Mastodon. It's gonna, you know, it's like we we have our telltale riffs and sounds in there but it's just kind of a new take and you know i think we're going with a new producer which is uh always an adventure and i you know we just want to get get some fresh ears in there someone who doesn't really know us that well who may have like you know new different ideas of like a new way of interpreting what we're trying to do new new brain in the room always good can you say who that is I'm not going to say at the moment. Okay. I'm just going to. I'm just going to I had to ask. Hold, you know, I had to ask. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, well, that's that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always a good idea. Did you, would you guys ever consider self-producing, or you feel you need that extra set of ears in the room to kind of rein things in a bit? You know, pretty much where the record is right now is is, is all self-producing, and that's you know when we did Emperor Sand, it was. And crack the sky. It was, you know, pretty much a lot of self-producing. Where we we get it. I mean, we always do on every record. I don't know what I'm saying. It's like every record we do, we get to, we get it to where we think like this is pretty much where we don't we we don't know anymore. And when you've been playing the same arrangements for you know six months, it's hard to see like see it any other way. It's like this is the way the song goes. This is the way we wrote it. So yeah, you get you get new fresh ears in there, and they say this riff is the hit riff that's the riff you need to repeat you know what i mean they come in and they just kind of they hear it for the first time and they say i i can tell you right now like this this riff you need to come back to this should be the chorus not that and we kind of think hmm sometimes we disagree and we say no we're we're pretty bent on like this being what it is um we're not going to change it we want it to stay like that but like a song like Ancient Kingdom off of uh, Emperor of Sand, you know, we had a we had a couple more couple more parts in there. Like technically, 
we when we write a song we will write an extra like two or three riffs in there because we we know from experience that producers will come in and say there's too many riffs in the song one of them's got to go which one's the weaker one or what which you know which one doesn't have vocals or he like with Brendan O'Brien, he would he would take each riff and say, what is this riff? I'm like, okay, that's the opening riff. What's this riff? That's the verse. Okay, what comes after the verse? I don't know. What is, what is this riff? I'm not sure. We don't need it. It's too, we, the song's great without it. Get rid of it, you know? And we'd say, okay, let's try it. And, you know, with the magic of Pro Tools, you can cut and paste stuff and you know, 90% of the time we're like, yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't need all that extra stuff. And that's kind of why we threw some extra ideas in there that went along with the song. So ancient kingdom had the chorus of the song was just a big crescendo at the end of the whole song. And that's kind of just how we, it all built up to that chorus at the end. But he said, man, that, that, that chorus at the end thing, that needs to be in the song more. That's the hit. That's the cool riff that you want to hear again. That's the catchy thing. Like, okay. We never, we didn't really see that. So sometimes, you know, it's hard to see the forest through the tree because you're smack dab in the middle of it. You need somebody who's flying up above you to say, no, that's, that's not the way out. The way out's over here. I can see it. So it's always good to have, you know, the right producer. We've, we've had certain people who just kind of went along with us. We, you know, you got to have someone who's stern and someone who has ideas. And we like people that, our actual musicians as well as producers who can play instruments and they know the, they know the guitar or the piano or whatever. They know notes. They know how to sing. You know, they, they can, they can come up with ideas and back them up. So it's important. I feel like on the, on the past couple of records and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you in particular have really stepped up as a writer uh, and, and contributed a lot more maybe than you did in the past. Is, is that the case this time too? Or are there a lot of, Bill ideas, Bill riffs on the record. Yeah, for sure. I'm continuing my uh, press for riff domination. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just uh, you know I just feel like hey, it's this is our time to to just write and write and write. You know, I'm not going to sit around on my ass and, and wait around for anyone else to write a song. I just feel like I'm just going to write as much as I can and just throw it at the guys and be like, Hey, look, I got this idea. I got that idea. You know, I like to work and work hard. You know, I, nothing comes from sitting around on your ass, like waiting for someone else to do something. I learned that, you know, I learned it a while ago, but I only really acted on it recently. It's like, that's why I said I'm so damn busy all the time. Why do we work ourselves to death? I guess it's because we. Will, I, I want good things in life. I want a. I want a great. You know, I want a nice house, and I want a nice car, and I want the money in the bank, and I want to. I want to put out awesome songs, and I want to have have it be real, and, and people, you know, people listen to it and be like, man, that's an awesome. That's a sick riff. That's cool as hell. So I just, I just work a lot. I work on everything. You name it. Yeah. So, now, now yeah. you you did mention earlier, uh, just just a bit, little bit ago, about you, you have some misgivings about putting an album out during a time when you can't tour. So you know, are you going to wait until this whole thing clears and it's very obvious that you'll be able to tour, or might we see a new record, for example, in the first half of next year? 
I mean, it, it, I, I want to put a record out no matter what. That's the bottom line. It sucks that we can't tour on it, and it probably will come out in, a, in still the age of quarantine, you know. But I don't know what else to do. I mean, we Temper of Sand came out. I mean, that's, that was like three years ago, you know, and it's, it's, it's time to put something out again, no matter what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You know, you got a lot of bands kind of sitting, waiting around. I, I think a lot of bands uh, just moved their releases from 2020 into 2021, you know, and this is back in the spring or summer. Um, I, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think Gojira did that. Uh, you know, Behemoth, some other bands, uh, kind of the bigger bands in the metal scene uh, have, have moved their stuff back thinking that they would be able to tour next year. Now they might not be able to, but, you know, really very few bands on what I would say kind of in, in the upper echelon of metal have actually gone ahead with it. The only one I can really think of are Deftones who just put out a record, uh, you know, so in that way, by doing it, you, you might have kind of a clear lane to, to just start to, to have everyone's attention. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be fair to our fans as I guess how I, how I look at it, that we're waiting, you know, if, if we have a record, like I was saying earlier, like we've, we've written a lot of, we had a lot of songs, probably like half of it written before the quarantine hit, you know, in, in April. And I was like, man, we've got a lot of material already. Um, we've got at least a record. We could pull a record out of this, but we just, things just kept growing. And, and every day there'd be a new riff and there'd be a new song. I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is going really well. And then, you know, quarantine really sunk in and like, well, there's no reason to put a record out right now because there's no touring, you know, but uh, it's, it's one thing to, it's, it's hard to put it off because I feel like what the essence of, uh, you know, a great record is the spontaneity of how it sounds and making sure it doesn't sound dull and rehearsed for, for six months to a year or put on the shelf for a while. It's like, no, let's just hit it while it's hot and put it out and we'll always have it. And those songs will always be there to, to play when we eventually can go out on tour. But like I said, the most important thing to me is like, I want the fans to hear it. I want them, I don't want them to suffer. You know, like you're sitting at home, you're dying for a new song. You're dying for a new video from your favorite band or, or, or anything, any, any news and interview. It's like everybody's in the same boat. So I don't want to punish the fans because, even more because of this COVID pandemics. So well, that's, that's very charitable of you, Bill. I'm sure your fans will appreciate that. Uh, I know I, for one, well, look forward to hearing it. Cool. Um, well, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a great chat. Thank you for being so open and honest about your, uh, you know, your financial situation, particularly. I think that's something that isn't really talked about a whole lot in, in music at all, uh, you know, in, in, in metal, especially, um, you know, and I, and I thank you for your, your candor and openness about that topic. Yeah. I mean, just like I said, man, uh, thank God, thank God my wife has a steady job because if not, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of musicians out there who are, who don't have that luxury. So they're, you know, it's, it's tough right now. 
it sucks it's for super sure. Hard. It, it really I does. Just, and, I just hope. Yeah. Just, I just, just hope that we can all go back to making a living, uh, doing what we love to do, and go back to normal. So everybody, wear your damn mask and listen to the scientists. Don't uh, listen to the politicians. Listen to the scientists. Absolutely, man. I, I back that 100%. And, and we're right there with you. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, people think the media is the media, but our biggest advertisers were live show promoters. So, you know, we're, we're right there. So yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's get back. Everybody wear your masks. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. 